You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Welcome to church. You guys sound good. Turn to the person next to you and say, you sounded good during worship. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are mighty here as we worship the Lord tonight. Isn't God good? Isn't our God so good? Um, welcome, my name is Nick McCall. I'm the youth pastor here at, at Thorn Creek Church, um, which basically means I'm the fun pastor, right? <laughs> I get to hang out with teenagers, I get to have fun. Um, and so Pastor Ruben is, is a lead pastor here at Thorn Creek. He's in ICU right now um, at the hospital. I have an email update on Ruben that I just, I wanted to share, it's encouraging. Um, so I got this today, uh, many of you got this email as well. It says, Pastor Ruben is doing well. Can we just get an amen for that? Can we? That is so exciting. Those words, just to hear those words really is encouraging. Pastor Ruben is doing well. I can say it again. Pastor Ruben is doing well. Uh, God is moving in a special way. He's still in ICU, but has been switched to a lower flow oxygen machine. Amen. 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 That's huge, guys. This is amazing news, and all the glory goes to our Lord. His frame of mind is positive, and he continues to trust God with his health. As Pastor Ruben improves, he will be moved out of the ICU and then closer to coming home. Amen. Amen. Grateful for the prayers that have been lifted up on his behalf. Every prayer, oh man, this part's touching, guys. Every prayer has encouraged and lifted Pastor Ruben and his family. God is good. Um, how you can continue praying for him. Um, Pastor Reuben will be monitored closely for any other complications. Pray for his entire body to be healed. Uh, we're just gonna pray right now, church, for Pastor Reuben and, and also for all those who are dealing with, with this, with COVID-19. Um, Father God, we trust you, Lord. God, we just call out to you and Lord, first, first of all, we're just so thankful to read the words Pastor Reuben is doing well. God, continue to give strength to his body, strength to his lungs. Touch every cell, Lord. Weaken this virus in Jesus' name. God, I, I wanna make a bold prayer right now. God, would you just weaken this virus across the world? Eliminate it, Lord. Defeat it. Get rid of it. We banish it in Jesus' name. It has no place here. Pray for all those who are dealing with this right in this virus, Lord. Would you bring healing to their bodies? In Jesus' name we pray. And Thorn Creek Church said, Amen. 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 Um, guys, I'm excited. We have a powerful chapter uh, in Scripture to read today. We're in the series of Moses um, right now. And, and uh, one of the things that I really love about Moses, as we've been reading and studying, is I've realized just the humanness that comes out in Moses. You know what I mean? Like Moses dealt with a lot of the same stuff that we deal with. He was insecure, he had his flaws, he had shortcomings. Um, Moses was well aware of his limitations, right? But God chose to use Moses anyway. Does that sound familiar? I know I'm well aware of my limitations and somehow, some way God still chooses to use me. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, God can use anybody he wants to. I firmly believe that, church. God can use anybody he wants to use. Um, Moses, as, as you read in the, in the beginning of the story, Moses didn't ask for this. He wasn't like, I really want power. I really want to be a leader. He, in fact, Moses was perfectly comfortable, content being a shepherd. He was good. He had his staff. He had his sheep. He was good. 
Moses was perfectly content, but God called him higher. Um, Moses was comfortable, but God doesn't always call his people to remain comfortable. In fact, I believe that God believed in Moses more than Moses believed in himself. And I think God believes in you and me sometimes more than we believe in ourselves, right? Part of the problem is, one of the mistakes we make is we think less of ourselves by focusing on our flaws. God knows your flaws, but he focuses on your potential to do great things for him. God is well aware of our limitations, but God doesn't focus on our limitations. Sometimes we allow those things to prevent us from doing great things for him because we think, well, I can't because X, Y, Z. For Moses, it was, well, Lord, I can't speak very well. Lord, I don't, I don't feel confident. Lord, call somebody else. Send somebody else. Have you ever said that prayer? God, send somebody else. I don't feel comfortable with that. Lord, I don't know if you know me, but that's not really me. God, send somebody else. That's where Moses was at. And yet God persisted, and God uses Moses. And then we get to chapter 17 today. Exodus 17, verse one says this, the whole Israelite community, just imagine all those people, the entire Israelite community out of Egypt, right? They, they set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Does that sound familiar? Pastor Jeremy talked about this last week. But that phrase, desert of sin, is not to be confused with the English word sin, okay? It was, it was a geographical reference to Sinai, okay? So it wasn't like they were in this like sinful desert, right? It's, it's just a reference to Sinai. And so you get the impression from reading this that people were like looking for reasons to be mad at Moses. They, they, want, they, were, they needed to be upset at somebody, they didn't like their circumstances, so they needed to be upset at someone, and it's just unfortunate that Moses became their target. See, oftentimes when we have expectations that aren't met, we want someone to blame because it makes us feel better. If we have expectations, if there's things that we, we expect things to be a certain way, and when they don't work out like that, we want somebody to be upset at. It makes us feel better. Um, when the people arrived at Rephidim and realized there was no water, their expectations weren't met, <laughs> and they were upset. They needed someone to blame. See, we're no different today. Truthfully, mixed expecta- or missed expectations result in upset emotions, right? You have this expectation of something, and you really expect it to be a certain way, and when it's not that way, we get upset, don't we? That line was so long at Taco Bell. <laughs> took like 45 minutes to get my tacos, Right? <laughs> Why did that barista take so long at Starbucks and now my coffee's cold, right? We have these expectations and we're not, when they're not met, we're upset. Can I just be real with you guys? I feel like 2020, if you put in the dictionary definition of mixed, missed expectations, you're just gonna see 2020 there, right? Nobody expected 2020 to be this way. Nobody expected their canceled vacations. Anybody affected by a canceled vacation, missed trips, loss of a job or an income, difficulties with remote learning, fear of getting sick, anger at others for wearing or not wearing masks, fear of this virus, shutdowns of businesses, churches, gatherings, and the list just goes on and on. 2020 has not been fun. 2020 has not been exciting. 
And I think truthfully, people are tired. Right now, we're almost, tomorrow's November. We are tired, aren't we? We're tired of this year. It feels like it's never ending. The tile of, the tile of today's message is tired on the inside. Anybody relate with that? Anybody just tired? I'll be real with you. I get it. I'm tired. I'm tired. This year has been exhausting. And especially right now, we've got politics everywhere surrounding us, pretty much every conversation. We've got COVID. We've got cancellations, so on and so forth, right? People are tired. And I think it's so timely that we're talking about this message today because this is exactly how the Israelites and Moses, frankly, are feeling. Let's keep reading, verses two and three. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. I imagine a mob, an angry group of people holding up their fists and saying, Moses, enough. Give us water to drink. This is ridiculous. They're upset. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt? To make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? So they're thirsty, right? I get it. Pastor Jeremy talked last week, uh, chapter 15. This sound familiar to you? It was the same thing. They were upset about water because the water was mara or bitter. Okay, and God uses Moses. He throws a piece of wood in the water and makes it sweet. And then here we are again. Moses has led them to another place, and guess what? There's no water again. And they respond exactly the same way. What's the definition of insanity again? Doing the same thing over and over again, right? So is it fair to say at this point they're acting a little bit insane? They're thirsty. They're desperate. And they're mad at Moses again. But I think it's interesting that God led the Israelites to Rephidim. And God knew there was no water at Rephidim. So is it possible that God was hopeful that the people would respond better this time? God's like, I've provided for you in the past. I've given you every reason to trust me. I've never led you astray. You're still alive, aren't you? I'm with you. And so God leads them to Rephidim, and again, there's no water there. And they're upset, and they grumble. It says when they, they quarreled with Moses. This is, a, this is more intense than I realized, guys. This was not just, they weren't just like upset with Moses. They were actually testing they were testing Moses, and it was to a point almost where like a, a lawsuit, conducting a lawsuit, okay? And so that, that's what that, if you look at the original language, that word quarreling with Moses, it was serious. It was serious how they were. What this means, guys, is they were rejecting Moses and God. See, in this moment, they were questioning and testing whether or not God was even present among them. Not only that, but if he was present among them, if he was truly powerful enough to bring water. Do you sense the gravity of where they were at? Do you sense the intensity of where the Israelites were at? They were not at a good place. 
They were not at a healthy place mentally or emotionally. They're at a point of testing God himself. Scary. This God who is providing for them. So the Israelites are done. They're not playing anymore. They're this rebellious mob and they're, they're going after Moses. And see, Moses knows that the Lord provided for them in the past. They have every reason to trust that God has not left them. They have every reason to know. Look at their journey. They were slaves. They were miserable. They were not happy where they were. And God rescues them through Moses and leads them. And yet, there's some challenges along the way. But God didn't say it was going to be easy, right? And so they... They're so upset, they accuse Moses. This is crazy, guys. They accuse Moses and they actually think, Moses, was this your plan all along? Did you bring us out here to kill us so that we would die of thirst? They actually think that's where Moses' mind is at. And so Moses, in verse four, Moses does this. Then Moses, what did he do, church? He cried out to the Lord. Beautiful beautiful. He cried out to the Lord. He looked at God and he said, God, what am I to do with these people? They're ready to stone me. He cries out to God. He does the the, the right thing. Moses' response was perfect. He cried out to God. He didn't know what else to do. His life was threatened. Moses was tired. He was tired of them complaining. He's like, guys, we've been through this already. God has shown up time and time again. Look at us. Look where you are right now. Remember when we crossed through the sea on dry land? Do you guys remember that or have you forgotten? That doesn't just happen. God is with us. So Moses is tired and he cries out to God. I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, I don't always make the best decisions. I don't respond at my best. I'm not mentally at at the best place. In fact, I may be a little bit more impatient, a little bit more grumpy, especially if I'm hungry too. Hungry and tired, hangry, that's like a, that's a monster, right? Nobody wants that. And these people are hungry and they're tired and Moses is hungry and he's thirsty and he's tired, but he cries out to God. I don't know about you, but if you're worn out, if you're exhausted, Cry out to God. He's got open arms and he's ready for you. So Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord responded to him. Uh, Beth Moore, she said this. She said, God will sometimes allow things to get bad enough that we will be forced to look up. Victory always begins with a cry for help. When we come to the end of ourselves and cry out for help, amazing things happen when we cry out for help, when we look to God and we say, God, I can't do this on my own strength. God, I can't do this. God, I don't have enough. Lord, I'm not capable. God, I need you. When we cry out to God, God sees us where we're at. And don't you know that God knows your heart, your situation better than you do? And don't you know that God has compassion on us? See, crying out to God is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of understanding. It's a sign of maturity. 
Crying out to God is the perfect response. So Moses cries out to God, and here's what happens in verses five and six. Get ready, guys. This is exciting. This is the cool stuff. I hope you're ready. I'm excited. Verse five, the Lord answered Moses. Don't you love that? The Lord answered him. He answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the what, church? The staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you at the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for people to drink. So Moses did this in sight of the elders of Israel. Okay, guys. All right, this is cool. So because Moses cries out to God, God responds and reveals his plan to Moses, this miracle that he's going to work through him, and he's going to use this, this staff to do it. I got this staff. This was from Mike Lewis here at church. He carved a snake face into this. I don't know if you can see it on camera, but it's got two eyes and a snake mouth, right? And if you know the story, you know that God early on turns his staff into a snake. So I was given this staff, and I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. When I, when I preach on Moses anytime. But do you remember that whole thing with the staff? It was his comfort. It was his security. It was what he knew. He became a shepherd, right? This was a tool he used. It was, all he, it, was, it was what he knew. It was what he was comfortable with. And do you remember when God asked him to go? And God says, what's that in your hand? And he says, it's a staff. And it was enough. He throws it on the ground and it turns into a snake and he picks it back up. That part freaks me out. He picks it back up again and it, it turns back into a staff. See, check this out. In Moses' hand, the staff was nothing more than a stick used by a shepherd to herd sheep. But in God's hand, in God's hand, because of his almighty power, that stick could split the ocean. It could turn water into blood. It could turn into a snake and bring water from a lifeless rock. In Moses' hand, it's a stick. In my hand right now, you, you guys are like, it's a stick. I bet you if I turned it into a snake, you'd freak out though, right? But in my hand, it's just a stick. That's all it is. In God's hand, it's so much more. See, we bring what we have and God is able to take what we have and use it and multiply it for so much more. What you have is enough. What you carry with you is enough. Your experience, your life, if God has called you to do something, what you have in your hand is enough. It's just a stick. No, it's not. It's so much more than a stick. But it's not about the stick. It's about the God behind it. And what God is able to do with what we would see as ordinary, nothing, nothing special, it's a stick. But in God's hands, it's so much more. What you have is more than enough in God's hands. See, God can bring water, this is so good, guys. God can bring water out of your lifeless rock. God can bring hope to your desperate situation. God can bring healing to your soul. It's God who does it. I'm gonna ask you this question. How many times does God have to bring water from the rock in your life before you start trusting him completely? How many times? 
How many times does God have to provide for your needs and show up time and time again and show you he's with you, show you he's caring for you, show you that he's loved? How many times does God have to keep doing the same thing over and over for you before you completely trust in him? One time, two times, three times, a hundred times, infinity times. But you know, here's the cool thing about God. He'll show up anyway. Even if it's the 127th time, even if it's the one millionth time, God has not given up and will not give up on you. And God will show up time and time again. If you need water 35 times in one day, he's going to bring you water 36 times in one day. Because that's God. Because he loves you. You might be in a situation in your life right now where you feel like there's no way. You feel stuck. You feel desperate. But don't forget this, guys. Don't forget, you serve a God who makes a way when there's no way. You serve a God who can bring water out of a lifeless rock. You serve a God who can do anything. Some of you have been praying that God would bring water out of your rock, but here's the problem. Sometimes we don't believe he will. You may be saying this token prayer. Pastor Reuben talked about this a couple weeks ago. Saying these token prayers, but there's no faith behind them. Guess what? You can't fool God. You can't say the prayer and not believe it. God knows your heart. If you say the prayer and you believe he will do it, God shows up in amazing ways. God knows your heart and he knows your thoughts better than you do. So when you say these prayers, believe, have faith that God will show up, that God will bring water, that God will bring hope to your desperate situation. I believe in the God who heals, the God who restores. God might, uh, sorry, uh, so he, he, he quotes this part. He says, um, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. As I was doing some research this week, looking in commentaries and things, many scholars believe, this is pretty cool, guys, this is the same location as when God shows up to Moses in the burning bush. The rock at Horeb, where he strikes the rock and brings water from the rock, many scholars believe that was the same location as the burning bush. Let me tell you this, God might bring you back to where you started in order to remind you where you have been and where he will be leading you next. God is leading you. Tell somebody next to you, God's not done with you, he's just getting started. Amen. Let's go to verse seven. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Oof. You hear the doubt in their voice? Is the Lord really here? Is the Lord among us or not, Moses? So he names the place Massa and Meribah. Those, those two words, they mean testing, proving, or trial. And Meribah means strive, contend, or quarrel. So Moses literally names this place after their doubt, after them testing and quarreling with God and with Moses. Moses wants them to remember how they responded. Moses is, he, he's so fed up and he's like, I'm not going to let you guys forget this. God has shown up time and time again. God is the God who brings water from the rock. So that's the first section of chapter 17. It's this beautiful section about how God shows up again and again. And then right after that, literally right after that happens, we get this story right here. The Amalekites defeated. Verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. 
Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Notice how he brings up that staff again. He loves how God uses that staff. It's his comfort and God uses it. So you have two groups of people here. You have the Amalekites and you have the Israelites, okay? The Amalekites are descendants of Amalek. Amalek is the grandson of a guy named Esau. That name sound familiar? The story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob steals Esau's birthright. So you have the descendants of Esau over here, the Amalekites, and then you have the Israelites. But if you read in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. So you have Israelites over here, Jacob's side. You have Amalekites over here. Guys, this was a family feud that has been going on and on and on. See, the Amalekites were professionals at this. They were known for going into certain groups and wiping them out completely, taking all of the things of value, killing anybody who was there. The Amalekites were professionals at this. If you wanted to wipe out a people, you got the Amalekites, okay? They were pros. The Israelites, on the other hand, were vulnerable. It was a perfect situation, okay? They're wandering in the wilderness. They've never, they, they don't have an army. They're vulnerable. And the Amalekites were angry, and so they saw this as an opportunity to attack. Now in verse nine, we see the introduction of Joshua. This is the first time in scripture we see Joshua. This is the first time he's introduced. Moses decided to appoint Joshua as the commander in chief. He asked him to put together an army that will fight the Amalekites. See, God gave Joshua a new purpose. God gave Joshua an opportunity. Moses tells Joshua he's gonna go up on the hill. And see, in this, in this situation, the Israelites are the underdogs. Anybody like a good underdog story? Yeah, I know I do. This is the ultimate underdog story. You have the Israelites who are vulnerable, and then you have the Amalekites who are pros. They're good at this. They're ready to take them out. Even the best of the Israelites chosen by Joshua, they're no match for the Amalekites. Even the best were no match. They should have lost. They had no shot until they realized something. God was on their side. God was fighting for them. And here's the truth. God is fighting for you. Even when you don't know it, even when you don't feel it, God is fighting for you. God is making a way. God is preparing you. God is preparing circumstances around you. God has not left you. God is with you. He knows your situation. He knows your challenge. He knows the battle you're facing. And God is already fighting for you. God is already preparing for you. If you just trust, if you just look to him and don't turn your back on him, if you continue in his word, even when it's hard, even when you don't feel like it, even when circumstances aren't going well. Spend time in his word. That's how you prepare. That's how you fight your battles. God is fighting for you. So God uses Joshua, right? And, and, and Joshua puts together an army. And check out this part of the story, guys. Are you ready? 
I'm pumped. Verse 10, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Check this out, guys. Verse 11, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. You guys catch that? Moses is exhausted. Remember, he's tired. He's exhausted. They've been attacked unexpectedly. And Moses, without even skipping a beat, his response is, Joshua, put together an army. Me, Aaron, and her, we're going to go to the top of the hill, and I'm going to hold the staff of God up in my hands. And I'm just going to hold this up, and I'm just going to pray. And God sees Moses' faith and says, all right, Moses, I'm with you. Moses, I got you. So Moses goes, and every time he's holding this up, the unexpected happens. The Israelites are winning. And when his arms, have you ever tried to hold your arms up for very long? It's exhausting. They start to go numb. So Moses is doing his best. I picture the staff is shaking. He's watching the battle and the staff, his arms are shaking. He's feeling the pain. And so he, as he starts to feel weak, and he starts to lower the staff. They start losing. And so he pushes and he pushes and he tries to hold it up. And, and Moses, or Aaron and her see that he's shaking and he's struggling. And they come up next to him and they hold up his arms. And they say, Moses, we got you. Moses, you're not alone. Moses, we're with you. And they help him hold his arms up because he physically can't anymore. See, Moses, Moses knew that he couldn't lower his arms. It wasn't an option. The Lord's people needed him to keep his hands raised. No matter how tired he got, no matter how much it hurt, no matter how he felt, even if his arms went completely numb, he knew he felt the pressure. He had to keep it up because he had to keep praying for the Lord's people because if he stopped praying, they would lose. Have you ever felt that kind of pressure? You ever felt like people were counting on you to stay strong no matter what? No matter how it made you feel? No matter how weak you felt? No matter how defeated you felt? No matter what happens, this is the life of a pastor. As we read through this today, I, I, I can't help but think about Pastor Reuben. And um, I think about him as Moses on the hill all the time. And he's got his hands raised. You know who he's praying for? You and me. And I picture Pastor Reuben up, and there's times where he gets tired. There are times where he feels weak, but he knows the battle's not over. And I assure you, church, right now, even as he's in a hospital bed, he's got his arms up and he's praying for you. He hasn't lowered his arms for you. He knows that just because he's in the hospital, the battle's not over. So he's thinking about you all. He's thinking about us right now. He'd love to be standing right here, right now, preaching this message. I guarantee you that. He's thinking about it. He's praying for you. I want to encourage you, if you're not aware, 3.20 p.m. every day, we're meeting at St. Anthony's North Hospital in the Northwest parking lot. We're gathering and we're praying for him together. We're praying hard that God would bring healing to him. Let's read this, uh, verse 12 and 13. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other. 
so that his hands remain steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. As I look at this passage, guys, I'm blown away, blown away by what God can do with people who are willing to step up and be used by him. The Israelites, truthfully, were as good as dead when the Amalekites showed up. But the Israelites were not fighting alone. They had the power of God. And here's the truth, guys. You and me, we don't stand a chance in this world. We don't stand a chance against the enemy. We don't stand a chance against sin. We don't stand a chance against temptation. We don't stand a chance against anything that we're battling unless God shows up. Let me tell you something. You are not strong without God. You don't have the strength without him. You need him more than you realize. I need him more than I realize. We need God more than we know. Because there there are times, guys, in our lives where we're going to be faced with things. And we need people standing on the mountaintop, holding up their arms, praying for us. And sometimes we need to be the person standing on the mountaintop, praying for others, holding our hands up and encouraging them. As I read this and I was praying this week, I was reminded of something. The battle you are facing belongs to the Lord. The battle you are facing belongs to the Lord. You are not alone in your fight. God is fighting for you, church. God is lifting you up. God is fighting for you. God is giving you strength. God is with you. He has not left you alone. Exodus 14, 14 says it beautifully. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I think it says that because there are times where we feel like all we can do is be still. We feel like we've tried. We feel like we've, we've fought. I want to tell you something. Whatever battle you're facing, the battle belongs to the Lord. Trust in the one who is fighting your battles. It gets better. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. Let me say that again. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The one who is in you is capable and able to help you with the battles that you are facing. You are not by yourself. You are not alone. Yes, it's hard. Yeah, you're going through a lot. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to get up and out of bed in the morning. Put your feet on the ground and move. Sometimes it's hard to continually face this struggle that you're facing every day, but you are not alone. The one who is in you is greater, more powerful, stronger. Let's not forget who we serve. Let's not forget that God put himself inside of you the moment you said that prayer, the moment you believed, the moment you chose to follow him. He put his Holy Spirit inside of you and that Holy Spirit is greater. The power is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. That's your God. Your God knows you need him. You have access to the supernatural power of God. Do you believe that, church? You have access to the supernatural power of God. You might be tired, worn out, scared, hurt, or sick. Don't forget the fact that you have a God who fights for you. You have a God who stands with you on the mountaintop and a God who fights for you in the battlefield. 
Let me say that again. You have a God who stands with you on the mountaintop and you have a God who's with you in the battlefield. You are not alone. Elevation Worship, we just sang this song a little bit ago. It says, the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. The same God who's on the mountain is the same God who's in the valley. The God who's with you when you're on the mountaintop is the same God who's with you when you're in the valley. Do you sense it? Do you feel it? Do you know it? Do you trust it? Do you believe it? That's the same God. If you find yourself in the middle of a battle today, know that there is someone on a mountaintop who is praying for you. If you find yourself in the battlefield today, know that you are not alone. There is someone on the mountaintop with arms raised, praying for you, on their knees for you, lifting you up. If you find yourself tired and worn out today, don't give up. Someone's coming to hold up your arms. Someone's coming. Jesus says this beautifully, Matthew 28, 11, or 11, 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. If you're tired, know that there is a God who knew you would be. And so he provided a savior who wants to fight for you, who wants to give you rest, who wants to encourage you, who wants to lift you up. You are not alone. Um, I believe right now, guys, um, Pastor Ruben, he's on this mountaintop. His arms are tired, but he's there. Um, at our men's retreat this year, we went through this passage. And the pastor, we were talking to him beforehand. He's a friend of ours. And he didn't tell Pastor Reuben this, but he told me and a few others. that He was going to preach on this passage. And he was going to call Pastor Reuben to come on up to the front and hold up this staff. The entire time Reuben, or he was preaching, Reuben stood there like this. 30 minutes, maybe longer. And you could see Reuben starting to do this. You could see him starting to, to get tired. I got emotional because I got the picture. I saw it. And so shortly then, he, without even missing a beat, the speaker didn't tell anybody to do this. Some of the men came up and they held up Reuben's arms. And then after a while, they started getting tired. So more people came up and they started holding up the arms of those who were holding up Pastor Reuben's arms. And I thought, that's the church, guys. That's us right there holding each other up. We can't do this alone. Don't live your life alone. Don't live your life only with your, your family or your household or your close friends. You have an army who is with you who wants to hold your arms up. But we don't know your arms are tired if you don't tell us. So tell us. Speak to your church. That's what we're here for. That's the church right there, guys. That's the big C church. We need to hold each other up. I know right now life is hard. I know right now there's a lot of uncertainty. I know we're in a difficult year, difficult few months, but there are people whose arms are starting to get tired. 
and we need to lift each other up. We can't allow anybody who's, we can't allow any of God's warriors for their arms to go down. We can't afford it. We need each other. So if your arms are down, tell somebody and let's lift your arms up. If you've got strength to bear and you can share with others, go and find somebody and lift them up. Encourage them. I was thinking about ways that we could help lift up Pastor Ruben's arms. We need to hold each other up, but him as well. And I thought of a few things. Pray for him. Even when he's not in the hospital. As you think about Pastor Ruben, pray for him. Lift his arms up. He's praying for you. Show up to church, whether online or in person. Reach out to him. Tell him you're with him. You love him. You support him. Send him scriptures telling you're praying for him. Serve God faithfully in this church. Be faithful in your giving. Lift up one another by taking care of each other and each other's needs. Guys, the church only survives if if everyone does their part. We need each other, guys. We need each other. We have people who are carrying burdens in these doors. And they don't share those burdens. They're afraid to. They don't want to burden anybody. But the truth is we need to be sharing our burdens with one another because we got to lift each other up. We got to support one another. If we don't, we don't stand a chance. See, guys, we're in a battle. Ephesians 6 talks about this. It says that our... Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It says we're in a battle against all the powers of this dark world, all the spiritual forces of evil. The battles you and I are facing, they're not against flesh and blood. It's deeper than that. Church, now is the time for us to lock arms in prayer for our people, for our pastor, for our nation, and for our world. We're a broken people. Now is the time to come together. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, The reason many fall in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. Did you catch that? The reason many fall in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. The reason why others succeed is because they've gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. Church, I want to ask you, will you join me in praying together? Will you join me in lifting each other up? We're called to stand together, arm in arm, with one another in prayer. One thing all of us have in common, all of us carried a burden in in these doors today. Those of you watching online, you're carrying burdens right now as you watch. And so I wanna encourage us all to do something together right now. For those who are able, for those who are able, I encourage you, get on your knees and let's cry out to God Let's face it, we need prayer. Our church needs prayer, our nation needs prayer, our world needs prayer, we personally, we all need prayer. So I encourage anybody who's able, let's get on our knees. And I wanna encourage you, I'm gonna pray, but I wanna encourage you to to pray right where you are. You can pray out loud, you can pray quietly, whatever you need to do. But let's cry out to God. Oh, Lord, we cry out to you, God. God, we need you. God, we don't stand a chance without you, Lord. 
Holy Spirit, fill us with strength. We can't do this alone. God, some of us are on the mountaintop right now. Some of us are feeling tired. Would you surround us with people who have strength, Lord, who can lift up our arms? Others of us find ourselves in the battlefield and we need others to be praying for us. Lord, I just pray Would you bring healing to our nation, to our world? Where there's division, God, would you bring people together? Where there's hurt, would you bring healing? Where there's sickness, would you bring healing? Where there's pain, would you take it away? Where there's desperation, God, would you fill it? God, we can't do anything without you. We just ask for your healing touch, Lord, to come upon us, to fill us. God, we cry out to you like Moses cried out in the wilderness. We don't know what to do, Lord, other than trust you and cry out to you. And so God, we cry out to you right now. Fill this place, Lord, fill our hearts. I just lift up Pastor Reuben and so many others who are dealing with this virus right now. God, bring healing to them. Touch every soul, every cell, every being. Give them strength, Lord, weaken this virus in your name. God, I thank you that you you are the God of the mountain and you are the God of the valley. The same God in both places. All of us need you, God. We cry out to you desperately right now. Be with our church, Lord. Be with our people. Strengthen us, God. May we come out of this whole thing stronger than we were before. More faith, Lord. Stronger faith in you. More trust in your word. Bring healing to our nation and our people. God, we thank you for this church. These amazing people here, God, truly amazing, amazing people. Would you strengthen us, God? Lord, I pray for the offering. Would you bless it? Would you use it? Would you multiply it? Use it for your kingdom, Lord, and for your name. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.